And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show, presented by Sling. Joined now by Ari Wasserman and Scott Docterman, as we are every Tuesday. If you're listening on the podcast version, it is Monday night if you are on the live stream. And by all means, join us on YouTube if you have some spare time. If you want to chime in on the show, uh, we're always looking for interesting contributions from the the listeners slash viewers. And we guys, we have a lot of interesting stuff to talk about today because we are going to play the game that Ari suggested on Saturday night. Are they good? We got a lot of 4-0 teams. We don't know if they're good. And I'm talking about Kansas, talking about Minnesota, talking about Kentucky, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Iowa. I think we're going to find out about these teams. But before we get to that, guys, the coaching carousel is spinning again. Yes, I realize it is only September, but another Power 5 job is open because Georgia Tech fired Jeff Collins, the football coach, and athletic director Todd Stansbury on Monday. Gentlemen. Are we ready for the Dion to Georgia Tech train? Because I've, you know, we talked about that already, but the stories, it's, it's every every single story is now, oh, is Dion going to take it? Is Dion going to take it? Uh, I don't know if we should start the show off with a hot take two minutes Go in from me. I don't oh, that's think the Dion, best time. I, I don't think that that's a good enough job for Dion. Oh, I, I, Dion can do better is a, a perfectly legitimate, reasonable okay. take. I don't think that's a hot take at all. I think all. that the idea of Dion in Atlanta sounds great. Yes. I don't know if Dion at Georgia Tech meshes. I'm there with you. I think you, you look at him. He needs to go to a place where he's the biggest game in town. And at Georgia Tech, they'll never be the biggest game in town. You've got the Falcons. You've got the Braves. Uh, you got Georgia football just up the road. There's just no way. And, and I, I mean, I, I think at Georgia Tech, they probably need either a builder or somebody with something different. And I think Dion is, uh, Dion's got a big, big persona. He's got a, he's got a great, uh, you know, he's, he's going to go somewhere big, but I just think Georgia Tech, I agree with you, Ari. I think he's too, it's too I small. Mean, I mean, the thing with, with Dion to me and, um, Cole Sharam asked this in, in the chat here. What is Georgia Tech's actual ceiling? And I think that's an interesting discussion because on one hand, you think they have all the tools in the world to, you know, especially when it comes to proximity to talent to maybe win uh, at a pretty high level. Um, but for Dion, the, the entire discussion has always been, and it has been since I wrote that story about HBCUs two years ago now, um, about whether or not he would want to leave Jackson State, which I still think is in question. Right, but his, if and when that kids, he does, kids are playing there. I mean, like, there's a there's a lot yeah. tying him to that. And but is he, he is he serving a higher purpose there? Because remember, this is not Dion doesn't need the money. This is yeah, and that that's the question. And the higher purpose thing, I think, is great. I mean, he's already made an impact in that regard, and his son does play on the team. But Dion Sanders, if he does a good job at Jackson State, 
um, over the course of a five-year period, which would be a long time for a coaching tenure, doesn't need the intermediate step before he gets a big job, I don't think. Like, if he is a proven, consistent winner at the Jackson State level and continues to recruit at the level that he has been, I think that that would be a good enough resume to take a Florida State-ish type job if it were ever to come open. Right, and and, and Florida State-ish, we'll, we'll get to them. So, in, like, are if you're Deion yeah, but, yeah, and if you're Deion that, Sanders, though, do you want to go to a place that you have to start from the ground up again, or do you want to go to a place that needs remodeling? Well, and Georgia Tech is a very interesting job. So uh, let's let's compare like two openings that that are available right now. You got Georgia Tech. Well, we could do three: Georgia Tech, Nebraska, and Arizona State. These are all open right now. Georgia Tech is interesting because it is a state school that is has a very difficult curriculum and not really a basket weaving major to be found. And I think, you know, when, when I, people hear me say that they think, Oh, you know, that's cheat. It's not cheating. Like every big state school for the most part has majors that you can stash people in. And I'm not talking about football players. I'm talking about legacy kids whose parents gave money. Like they have different levels of difficulty majors Georgia Tech, interestingly enough, as a big state school, really doesn't. So it's not that it's so hard to get players into Georgia Tech. It is hard to keep them at Georgia Tech and keep them eligible at Georgia Tech. And compare and contrast that with Arizona State, where they're so online at Arizona State and they have such a variety of majors, you can put a kid in an easy major and he never has to set foot in a classroom. So... If you're the coach and you're trying to figure out what's the easiest way to get players and keep players, Arizona State's a lot easier than Georgia Tech. Well, I think that just from the build standpoint, we should start by ranking those three schools. Which of those three, like how would you rank it in terms of difficulty of build? Uh, difficulty of build would be Georgia Tech, Arizona State. And Georgia Tech no. the most difficult, then Arizona State, then Nebraska. And no. I realize Nebraska is tough because of geography. But Nebraska has oodles of money, and people care deeply about Nebraska football. It's not as hard of a build as the other two. I would flip the middle two. Okay, you'd say you'd say Arizona State is the easiest, harder. Oh, is the easiest? Okay, of the three, I can I can live with that because of what I just said. It it is geographically good, which Georgia Tech is geographically the best of the three, but. What I just laid out about Georgia Tech is makes it harder. I think the infrastructure at uh, in Nebraska makes it one of the most attractive jobs if you can withstand being the face of the entire state, meaning you are the most popular person. Every person in, from corner to corner is talking about it. Uh, they have incredible facilities and they're growing. Uh, they have sellouts since the 60s. Uh, they have tradition, but that tradition can sometimes strangle people. I think it has over the last 20 years. Uh, but, you know, their problem hasn't been great athletes as far as them being competitive. It's been the coaching that's kept them down. So I think if you get a builder person at Nebraska, then I think they could walk up and be eight and four, nine and three, even with the Big Ten probably scrapping divisions after this year. But I do agree with you, Ari, about our Arizona State. The location 
is enough. I mean, that's where everybody wants to go. You want to go to Arizona, Phoenix, great area. And if you could be interesting, but you're still going to be in that market behind what? The Cardinals, the Suns, the D-backs. Mm -hmm. You just got to make sure you stand out. So if I'm like Dion, the one out of those three I look at is Arizona State because I think you could be flashy like we talked about last week. Well, Alan Carter telling me Georgia Tech is not a tougher rebuild than Arizona State, Andy. Alan also said that YouTube makes me look thinner. No, getting thinner makes me look thinner. Uh, But no, uh, Georgia Tech is a much tougher rebuild than Arizona State. The right person can make Arizona State good in the Pac-12 next year. The right person cannot make Georgia Tech good in the ACC next year. We also have to take into account that Arizona State's path to resistance is the easiest, too. Absolutely. path of resistance. You know, and I don't know. When we did those, uh, was it last summer or two summers ago, we did the rank your jobs thing. I feel like Arizona State would be a pretty highly ranked job. Now, obviously, things have changed a little bit with the conference expansion and, and the money that might be coming into that university as a result of that. But city recruiting territory conference. I mean, I don't know what the three who's got three better situations than that for what they've got. You know, like Nebraska, like you said, the talent isn't is there, right, Scott? But you got a question too if they're getting the right guys. Um, and if they're not getting the right guys or they're misevaluating the guys that they need or doing it poorly, then what is Nebraska's recruiting plan? You know, and I guess Nebraska can be a a transfer in afterward type program, like Andy likes to say all the time. But I feel like if I were to come up with the Georgia Tech's plan or or Arizona State's plan, I could I could map it out for you as a third party that that has no coaching experience. When it comes to Nebraska, it's like, ah, I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, where they are, they're not going to be what they were 25, 30 years ago when they, you know, could get in Prop 48 guys and do all that sort of stuff. But I think what they can do is, I mean, they've been top 25 in recruiting for the most part. And if they can keep their guys, the attrition has been the problem for them. And then the ability to develop the players who aren't uh, four and five stars, uh, you know, along the offensive and defensive lines, they've been, they've been scalded by, uh, you know, primarily Wisconsin and Iowa for so many years that they just, that's been their big issue. But I, I do think that they have the infrastructure to be a very good program. It's going to take a little bit of time before they can be anything more than top 20. But I think that they are more than capable. The, the one thing that did hurt them though was leaving the Big 12. They left a lot of their, uh, their meat on the table when it came to Texas, because that's where they were able to recruit a lot of their great players. Yeah. So, and we also probably need to consider that Auburn is going to open and, and there are going to be some other jobs that open. I, you know, it, it is interesting that all the ones we thought would come open with the exception of Auburn have come open and Auburn probably is coming open. I would think within the next few weeks. Yeah. You throw Auburn into that mix too. It's just like, I feel like if I were Deion Sanders, and I don't know how realistic this is uh, of a discussion in terms of like what he's going to do, but I would start at a place that is half built already. And I feel like mm. you could make the case that Auburn is at least half built with what, what they have. Oh, yeah. You know? And and look, in the NIL era, Auburn should be able to be pretty effective and pretty competitive. And that's what... I mean, are we the, even sure that Auburn, I mean, uh, that Georgia Tech is a more attractive job? Than Jackson State, yes, it's a Power Five school. It's a it's, it's a more attractive job. I don't think that every single Power Five school makes it an attractive job. 
Well, it, it, I mean, Dion has had to claw and scratch to get money for Jackson State. I mean, he, he you know went to Walmart and got them to donate turf for the practice field, and he's he had to work very hard to get resources. There are resources at Georgia Tech that that blow away what you get at an HBCU, mm-hmm. but do not blow away the rest of the ACC. The rest of the ACC, you know, yeah. Clemson, North Carolina, Florida State, Miami. Well, what? what and your Miami's fundraising is only out. as powerful as who the fundraising of the teams in your conference. Correct. Right. So, you know, I, I don't. I, I just, I, I'm with you that he can do better than Georgia mm-hmm. Tech. But it's still it seems like probably an, a better unnecessary job than he has. middle step. Like if his job, and like I don't know what his goals are, and if he speak to us about it a little bit more, it'd be great. But if his goal is to be the head coach of a major Power Five powerhouse, mm-hmm. I don't know if taking the Georgia Tech job is a necessary step in order to arrive there. No, um, I, I don't. I don't think it is. I think. No. I think what he's done at Jackson State and him being the person who can open any door in recruiting makes him a viable candidate now because when he was trying to get Florida State and he uh, one of the commenters correctly BT Bates pointed out that that he did interview it at Arkansas uh, before they they hired Sam Pittman and Hunter Juracek was pretty impressed with him in that case you hadn't seen him coach before prime prep had been a disaster so you didn't know but now you've seen him take over a program and make it significantly better than its history. I mean, Jackson State hadn't won the SWAC since 2007. They won it last year. Uh, They're playing very well this year. And he got Travis Hunter away from Florida State, which was pretty incredible. He's been very active in the transfer portal and very good at choosing out of the transfer portal, which, by the way, if you're looking at Arizona State, Georgia Tech, Auburn. Now, Georgia Tech's a tough one, too, because it's hard to get transfers into Georgia Tech as well. But... Nebraska, Arizona State, Auburn, you can get transfers in. And if you're good in the transfer portal, like I said before about Arizona State, you can be good right away. Well, I think, you know, you also got to look at culture and what what he can do and where he can do it. I Auburn would be great for him because uh, I think, as we said last week, you know, that that's he's one guy that Nick Saban and. Kirby Smart and other, but everybody else looks at it and goes, okay, that's uh, that's somebody we have to watch for because he can go get players. Everybody remembers Prime, uh, and I and I just wonder that about you know. I don't think Nebraska would be quite the same. Arizona State might be, but it is a heavy rebuild at Georgia Tech. I mean, you're talking about a program, you know, ten and twenty eight under Collins. Uh, their last five, I think they're outscored what uh, two hundred and ten to twenty. Yeah, that's um, just I, I think. And, and then they're not that far off from, from running the, the, the option. So, you know, what do they want to do and how do they want to do it? I, and to have standards like Northwestern and Stanford, I think they're going to have to look at something different. Well, they don't they have the admission standards of those schools. They can get guys in. Again, it's just tougher to keep them there. But it's, it's What is it's, the ceiling of the program? Mid-tier ACC school? Because Absolute ceiling. When they, when they won the ACC under Paul Johnson, Clemson wasn't Clemson yet. Mm-hmm. And 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 Florida State was down. If Clemson is is what it is, and Florida State is what it should be, and Miami is something close to what it should be, and Virginia Tech is something close to what it should be, like they they sort of hit right in a vacuum where nobody was what they should be. They should not realistically be a year in year out competitive team in the ACC if those other schools are doing 
what they should. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, I'm going to paint a picture for you guys. Deion Sanders goes, you know what? Atlanta's a great city. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to move there. I'm going to take the Georgia Tech job. Yep. He comes in, the entire ACC is in awe of how awesome he is at the job. He gets mm-hmm. recruits. He signs a top 20 class his first year, including yep. one five-star he prospect. Defi- he definitely could do that. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, Jeff Collins basically did that. That's, that's Jameer Gibbs. One five-star prospect. They win five games next year and are competitive in all but one game against Clemson. And things seem to be moving in the right direction, what is Georgia Tech ceiling in that scenario? Well, I think they could the win. The, I think they could win the ACC. I, I saw their ACC championship team when they had Demarius Thomas and Josh Nesbitt and Derek Morgan. And, you know, so I think they're capable of that. Um, I don't know about sustaining success year in and year out, but I think that they could be an eight and four program with the potential every couple of years of competing That's- for the ACC title. That's realistic. And yeah, if someone wanted to help out Georgia Tech, I've been saying this for years, and, and I'm going to come back to what I what I was saying about keeping guys in. Endow an easy major. Like, I'm not saying do what, what North Carolina was doing with the paper classes or anything. I'm saying endow a major that is not as challenging and isn't just for athletes, but can be used in other ways for other students as well. If you want, really want to make Georgia Tech competitive, that's how you do it. Matthew C. just said, so are here saying they're not competitive against Clemson, but they'd be competitive with the dogs. Come on, man. What did I, when did I say that? Yeah, we didn't say they'd be competitive against Georgia. At this they don't point, play Georgia. They, they won't be competitive against Georgia. It, it, um, as long as Kirby Smart's at Georgia, I don't know who you can put at Georgia Tech to make them competitive against Georgia. Yeah. I mean, I don't even think they have to be competitive against them where... It matters the most, which is in Atlanta. Right. You, you don't, you're not even recruiting the same kind of players right now. Now, maybe if, if you have a Dion, you are, but let's take Dion out of the equation. Cause I like, I'm with Ari. I don't think he needs that. I don't, I, I think he can do better mm-hmm. if he wants to leave Jackson state, which we don't know that he does. Mm-hmm. Who else? You, you could, we could talk about the option guys. Mm-hmm. We could talk about Jeff Monk and an army. Yeah. But I don't I don't think they want to go back to the option. I think they after Paul Johnson, they felt like that had run its course. It they they didn't feel like it sold tickets. They didn't feel like it excited people, even though it gave them a, a better chance to compete. 
Now, if you want to run something like the option that is exciting and people enjoy watching it, Jamie Chadwell is your guy. They run a shotgun-based triple option offense where the quarterback averaged 11.9 yards per pass attempt last year. Like, yeah. it's an option offense that quarterbacks would actually want to play in. And I want to say this because I, I said something on the podcast that's incorrect. I said they don't even play Georgia. That was an incomplete thought. Uh, I meant they don't really go against them in recruiting. Right, uh, right. They do, they do They do. have them on the whether, schedule every year. Whether or not they play them on the schedule game. also doesn't matter because it is not an ACC game, which is kind of what I'm getting at. Right. And I, I, I think competing with Georgia uh, on the field is not the goal here. Anyway. I mean, it, I mean, it is ultimate like goal in, if you want to, because if, yeah, if you can compete saying, with Georgia like, on the field, you can win the national title. So that would yeah. be the ultimate goal. Yeah. So I guess, but we weren't talking about in terms of national championships. No, you know? I mean, that's so, a, that's a, that's a, that's a lot of steps away. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's take the smaller steps first before we start talking about the giant leaps and bounds. Well, yeah. So, you know, what, who else? I think you've got to look twofold here. You've got to look one somebody's going to have to help build this program and you can't, you can have flash and style, but you're just going to be where you were. Cause that's what Jeff Collins was, you know, right. he tried to build the brand and it didn't work. So, but you're going to have to find somebody who's able to, to do that, but also provide enough of an offense that scores enough points that people will want to come and see and players are going to want to come to. So yeah. is there a offensive coordinator type who mm-hmm. you can walk in the door and say, Carte Blanche, you got what you want on offense. We'll be there to support <laughs> you and have fun with it. To Ari's point, there is one. <laughs> he's he's living about 60 miles east in Athens. Todd Munkin. He's been a head coach before at Southern Miss. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he'd be an intriguing one. Also on Georgia's staff, Del McGee. And th- this is a guy who's going to be a head coach at some point. He's been the, He was the interim coach, I believe, at Georgia Southern uh, a few jobs ago. He was a high school coach in Columbus, Georgia, at, at Carver Columbus. He, he produced some great players at the high school. And I am a big fan of guys who used to be high school head coaches because I, I, don't, I don't know that a lot of ADs consider this, but mm-hmm. when you've been a high school head coach, you've had to make a lot of CEO-type decisions, albeit on a much smaller scale, but they are actually probably more prepared for the big picture decision-making process of being a head coach than somebody who's been position coach coordinator and taken that route. So Del McGee, just remember that name. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be up for Georgia tech. I think actually, if you're, if you're, you have an opening at Auburn, he's one you should probably at least interview, but I don't think they would consider that a sexy enough hire. That's a guy if you got a job opening in the South, you got to think about him. That's interesting. Yeah, I think uh, you know I love the way high school coaches go about their business because they 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 have to deal with it at a ground roots level, and uh, you know a lot of times you have those guys who walk out after they're in, in high uh, college, they get a GA job and work their way up there. You don't have the ground grassroots level of interaction. So does Georgia yeah. tech have to hire somebody that's exciting? No, no. It's a, Lance Leipold. Does, does he seem exciting to you? It's some pretty exciting offense. My man is four and zero at Kansas. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so 
he you don't have to seem exciting on the front end. You just have to be a guy who can build. And it's exciting brings money in on the front end. It greases the wheels a little bit. Yeah, but like winning G- winning like Chadwell like Chadwell to Georgia Tech like seems like that would be fun. But Chadwell's yeah. a builder too. I mean, he is the, the knock That's on what I'm Chadwell. Saying. He has it he's both. never had to recruit at the Power Five level. He has succeeded at Division Two, FCS, and Group of Five. Yeah. They've had fun offense. I mean, Grayson McCall is as good as it gets. I mean, absolutely. That level, it's, it, they could, it's an option offense, but it's a fun one. Yeah, I I think he'd probably Jamie if that's the if that's the one that he can get. I think that'd be the perfect fit. But if not, I mean, he might be able to get something better than Georgia Tech too. I I, I don't think so because his name like his name has not been seriously brought up in a lot of these searches. Like Tennessee, you'd, you'd, he's from there. You'd have thought they'd, they'd consider. But the, the the not working in the Power Five thing scares a lot of these people off. I don't think it should, but it does. But I think Georgia Tech, that that's one where you, you might want to reach out. I mean, I think Nebraska would be a good spot for him too, but he's also said he's not sure if his wife would let him leave the South. So I'm not I'm not sure that's going to work. So we'll, we'll see what happens with this job, but it, it, it will be an interesting one because you – you are in perhaps the single best recruiting location in America. Like you can recruit on a bicycle at Georgia tech. Yeah. I just wonder, like this is something that's interesting about Arizona state. And I wonder if it translates to Georgia tech at all, but like if the people in the city, the people being the high school football recruits that are close to you, don't even give you the time of day. Don't even consider Georgia tech. Like that to me is like you're there, but you're not. You know, but they're gonna like, they're gonna consider Georgia Tech, and, and you're thinking only of the five stars and the. Listen, they don't have to get those guys necessarily to win in the ACC. No, this, no, no, they're not in the SEC. Like, yes, if you're in the SEC, you need some of those guys, mm-hmm. but to win in the ACC, and I don't mean to win the ACC. Yes, you will need some of those, but to win in the ACC. You just need good players who fit what you do and having Metro Atlanta as your playground, you're going to find a lot goes much deeper. So you'll find more. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to find, you're going to find people who are under recruited, who are mis misidentified. There there will be guys. There's always, there's always players there. So the more population, the more players, the more diamonds in the rough. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So it's time to play the game that Ari just made up on Saturday night, and we weren't sure if it was actually a solid verbal segment that we were unconsciously stealing, but we have done the research, and we we are not unconsciously stealing. This is an original ass production. Are they good? <laughs> All right. Well, okay, wait. Maybe we can calm down on the moaning now. We can. <laughs> I think it took this, that one step too far. This show's yeah. all about the moaning. Well, well, there's a bunch of four and O teams. Some we are, we are reasonably sure are good. Some we are not sure are good. But can I just point this out? Because I I, I just feel like it needs to be said. Alone atop the Big Twelve standings. If you're just going to use overall record to uh, to decide between the one and O teams in conference play. The Kansas Jayhawks, the only four win team in the big 12. Now Oklahoma state and TCU also undefeated. They just have not played four games. They've already had an, uh, an open week, but 
Kansas is 4-0. But gentlemen, are they good? So, you know, Kansas was the leading votes getter to make it into the poll this week. You mean uh, they were number 26 is what you They were number 26. 125 votes to be ranked, and they didn't. They just did not quite get in. So they need one more win, and I think that they're in. Um, but before we go really deep into this game, I think we need to also take into account and make sure the listeners understand that everybody's definition of good is different. Like if you say, is Georgia good? And you say yes, or Ohio State or Alabama, them being good is uh, graded on a on a curve. Right. No, the, the wait, the teams that are building are on the curve. So just because we say somebody's good doesn't mean we think they're a playoff team. It means that they are good based on what would be good for them, right? Can't, okay, let me let me ask this. So yes, we need to put everybody kind of we need to contextualize each team that we're talking about based on you know what would be outperforming expectations. Obviously, Kansas has already outperformed all of our expectations. They're already season. a game and a half over in their win total for yeah, the year. Correct. But can all right? Here's here's a question: Can Kansas compete for a spot in the Big Twelve championship game? Is that realistic this year? I'm gonna. I don't want to rain on this parade, but I'm gonna say no. I think that they're good enough to get to a bowl game and maybe win seven games. But we're going to find out really quick that they're probably not there yet. This week they've got Iowa State at home, and then then they got TCU at home. If they win those games, then absolutely, but I don't (laughs) see that happening. And then they go to OU and Baylor right after that. It would not surprise me if they're 4-4 and at the end of this stretch. Can can you imagine? Oh, man, you did rain on the parade. Yeah, I, I know, but what, what if they beat Iowa State and TCU? Like, can you imagine a six and and0 Kansas? Is the world ready for that? It wasn't ready in two thousand seven, and it won't be ready in two thousand twenty two. Oh, I mean, this is a great story. Don't get me wrong. Lance Leipold's done amazing work there. He has this whole career at Buffalo and Wisconsin, Whitewater. But I think you look at this, and you know, and they, you know, beating Duke, beating Houston. I mean, who mm-hmm. would have thought that? I just don't see them getting up in the upper echelon of the Big 12. I think they could scare people. I think Jalen Daniels is terrific, but it's just, I think it's a step too far for Did you guys look at the spreads this week before coming on the show tonight? Uh, I have not looked at the spreads. Okay, so let's play. I've been looking at hurricane maps. Yeah, Lord be with you on that. Uh, But. Let's play a sub game within the game. Yes. What do you think the spread is of the Iowa State game this weekend? Iowa State by seven. I'll say Iowa State by four and a half. It's three and a half. Ooh. I think Kansas can beat Iowa State. And and Scott, I know that you got a a front row view of that team in, in real life. Am I crazy? No, I think it can. They can win, and I think that it could. It's also going to be one hell of a fun game to watch. I would say Iowa State might be a little bit better. It has a little bit. It's a little deeper, but I also think Jalen Daniels is going to make that game worth spending your three and a half hours on a Saturday watching. I just, I, it would have to involve some some turnovers that I don't think Iowa state will end up doing. I mean, Iowa state's pretty salty anyway, after some really 
questionable calls uh, by the Big 12 crew the other day. You know, the, the whole blocking by defenders that where you hit somebody in the chest and they said it's below the knee. Um, you know, so I think that they'll be pretty prepared for Kansas. One of their oldest rivals. These teams have played more than 100 times. Kansas is fourth in America in scoring offense with 48 and a half points a game. Maybe they according to the, who they played, though. I mean, well, like the they West did Virginia drop 55 better West after Virginia. West Virginia whipped Virginia Tech. Yeah, I mean, 55, right? Yeah, they scored, uh, what, a touchdown in overtime and then scored on the, uh, you <laughs> know, had an interception. Six. Yeah, they won by I mean, 13 I honestly in overtime. Feel like, I honestly feel like that if Kansas can manage 38 points, they'll win the game. I don't think they'll score I, 38 on Iowa State. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I, this is this weekend sets up very interesting. There's a lot of road favorites this weekend, and when there's a lot of road favorites, there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, you know, and here's another subplot too. Before we go okay. on, that I've been thinking about because we are talking about coaching carousels a lot right now. We are, and we will continue to do so. Matt Campbell is a very interesting coach, in my opinion, in this regard, mm-hmm. because if you go back twenty four months, maybe yeah. twenty months. He was the hottest name for every single job in America. Right. And I know that he's going to be particular about where he takes because he's got a good thing going, um, you know, at Iowa State. And if he has to stay there for a longer period of time, that won't be the end of the world for him. But I do wonder, like, if you are Lance Leipold or somebody in that position right now where you're kind of the it guy, if Matt Campbell is a cautionary tale of don't not strike when the iron's hot. Well, yeah, like like Chris Hatcher was that guy for a while. Pete Limbo was that guy for a while, and they never did mm-hmm. get that job. It just it never it never panned out. So, and it's like I, if Iowa State loses to Kansas, which three and a half is you know a very manageable spread. Like I wonder if the Matt Campbell light's going to start flickering. Uh, that's a good question because I think it's possible. Like last year, they lost a lot of close games. Um, you know, every Big 12 game was by uh, single digits, lost to Clemson by single digits in a bowl game. But seven and six does not sound the same as going to the Fiesta Bowl and winning it like they did the year before to, to somebody who wants to sell him to another, uh, you know, to their fan base. So I think this is one of those games where if Matt Campbell truly wants to leave Ames at the end of the year, he has to win this game. Uh, if he wants to be in Ames, well, he could lose a lot of games this year and they won't have any problems staying there. So yeah. let's It's just let's like that to, loss to Baylor just stings, I feel like. Oh, it, yeah, they hate. No, it does, but Baylor might be the best team in the league. I know, I mean, Baylor's pretty good. I'm not, I'm not acting like that's a yeah. bad loss. I'm just saying, oh. like, you know, they, they beat Iowa. You know, they yeah. got off the schneid there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, and then they could rattle off four wins in a row, which wouldn't be that surprising, which is what they always do. And then you go back and go, oh, God, that loss, you know, we'll be right back after these words. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's move to the SEC. We're going to call this one the Are They Good Bowl. Kentucky versus Missouri. Uh, M- Missouri. Kentucky versus Ole Miss. I think we can Missouri. definitively say that Missouri is not Yeah, good. Missouri's not on this list. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. George is playing at Missouri this week. Kentucky's at Ole Miss. They're both 4-0. and Ole Miss at home, a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I don't feel as confident as the line makers feel about this game. This feels like a pick to me. I really don't know how good Ole Miss is. I'm not sure I know how good Kentucky is. I think, you know, I've seen Kentucky in person once. Their defense has some dudes. I have some questions about their offense. Chris Rodriguez is coming back, so perhaps that makes some of those questions go away. But I feel like we may have an answer for one of these teams at the end of this game. Whoever wins the game is good by default, right? No matter what I think it looks so. like. I think, I, so, I, think, I think they are. I guess we, we can reserve judgment until that point. But hey, you're listening to the official podcast uh, that predicted that Ole Miss is going to roll into Alabama undefeated. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, sure did. They got Kentucky so. top 10 this weekend. Uh, then Vandy, Auburn, LSU, A&M. If Ole mm. Miss beats Kentucky this weekend... and. It, it means they can win the rest of those games. Going to AM is hard. Okay. Yes. So, you know. But they absolutely can be eight and zero going into Bama. Yes. I, I would agree with that. And Kentucky, conversely, if they can go win in Oxford, I, I think that gives you confidence that they, they can play with Tennessee, which I, I'm still not ready to even broach the subject of can Kentucky or Tennessee compete with Georgia. I'm just not ready. I, I don't I don't think that's anybody's there yet. Although Georgia looking somewhat human against Kent State does does help a little bit. But it feels like Kentucky or Tennessee will be the second best team in the East. It's just a matter of which one. So I think Kentucky, if you can go to Oxford, you can you can beat Tennessee. Like that, I think that Kentucky is, deserves the benefit of the doubt about being good more mm-hmm. than Ole Miss because Kentucky's been building to this point. This isn't a flash in the pan type thing. I'm not saying that Ole Miss is either, but I would say Ole Miss was yeah. good last year. Yeah. Ole Miss was good last Very year. Very different team this year. But, right. but They're this team is year. this team is built off of guys, you know, to some extent that weren't on the team a year ago. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean Kentucky I think is is probably more sturdy. If that's a is that is that the right word? It may uh, that, that's a very good word for Kentucky. Actually, yeah. I, I think that is a yeah a great description um, of, of Kentucky. But I do think that Ole Miss is probably going to win on Saturday. 
I, I don't know. I'd probably go the other way on that one. I, I like uh, Will Levis a lot. I think both teams kind of had their stub their toe game against the group of five team. Uh, I think it was what Tulsa for, uh, for, I mean, they won, but they didn't look good. Right. Doing and then, it. And, and, yeah, and, Kentucky struggled and, with NIU. NIU. Last weekend. So it was kind of this, but I, I like Will Levis. I think he's kind of distancing himself a little bit among the quarterbacks, maybe being the number three in the draft next year behind uh, Stroud and, and Young. And then I think you look at Jackson Dart. This is his kind of game. He's got to be ready for it. I kind of look, this as almost uh, not quite an elimination game yet, but the winner of this will have a real good chance at, at the Sugar Bowl, uh, you know, and then Tennessee throw them in the, that ring too. So I, I don't know. I, Chris Rodriguez is a tough ass back, man. He's, he's hard six, to bring in. Six yards of carry. Yeah. And, and but all this is defense is good too. We, we shall see. All right, guys, let's see who else is good. We're playing a game called, are they good? Let's let's go to the ACC. Florida State plays Wake Forest in Tallahassee. Florida State has looked remarkably competent after years of not looking that way. And they look confident. Jordan Travis is is back. You know, they they made quick work of Boston College the other night. Now I know Boston College isn't very good, but they're getting Wake Forest, which is good, and pushed Clemson to the absolute limit on Saturday. Now this game may be affected by Hurricane Ian. We will see. Uh, I'm I'm on a trip right now. I had to cut it short. I'm, I'm flying out, flying back home tomorrow to deal with whatever hurricane-related stuff I have to deal with where I live. I'm two hours from Tallahassee. They may be dealing with it too. So we we will see what happens with that game. I, I'm guessing based on the projections now that that game probably does get played on time. So Florida State, are they good? I'm going to go with a yes, and it's it's not so much the win against LSU, which I think could have went either way, obviously. It was the way that they won at, at, at Louisville. Malik Cunningham is terrific and really had them on the ropes at times, and then they were able to outlast them. I love what they have. You know, I think Jared Verse might be one of the best uh, transfers, even though he's hurt. I think he might be one of the best transfers in the poor. Johnny but, Wilson might be one of the best yeah. transfers. How? I mean – how did Arizona State not figure out how to use this guy? Mm-hmm. He's six seven and he can move. Yeah, and uh, Trishon Ward too. So I, I, the, the next three games are going to tell us everything we want to know. But I like them. I think that you know they could go two and one over their next three: Wake Forest, NC State, and Clemson. Whoever made and, that schedule didn't like Florida State. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. That's a yeah, that's a rough. That's a rough yeah, they, uh, so three they, they've got there. Wake, NC State, Clemson. But look, I think even if they go one and two in that stretch, everything else feels winnable. Well, here's the thing I'll the say Florida game. about Florida State. Um, and you use this word, Andy, when you describe them of like competency. Yes. I think mm-hmm. that the previous few years, Florida State's had some talent, even though it has diminished a little bit over the course of the past five years. It's not like Jameis talented. Um, but they kind of looked very sloppy a lot of the time the last Mm -hmm. few years. This year, they seem very with it, Mm -hmm. and even when times get tough, they don't falter, which is what weak teams and old Florida State teams would have done. Now, I wanted to say that they don't have a lot of crazy shoot-themselves-in-the-foot moments like they've had, Mm -hmm. too, in the past. Though they did fumble the ball there at the end of the LSU game at the worst possible time. So if if you take that away... And I don't know if you can. I, I guess you can. They won the game. 
Well, um, I also put that on play calling, and, and the head coach is the play caller, so it, it, it buck stops with Mike Norvell on that. You, do, you don't call a toss pitch on the goal line when you're trying to run out the clock. But the, 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 guy, I will, the guy I will point out who I think is, is helping lead the charge for this competency is, uh, is Alex Atkins. He's their offensive coordinator, who, but obviously Norvell's the primary play caller. Atkins is the offensive line coach as well, and that – position group was their biggest problem has been their biggest problem since the end of the Jimbo Fisher era. And they just look competent now. And like, I, I know for people who haven't watched much Florida state in the last few years, that may feel like I'm underselling it, but a Florida state fan is going, yes, thank God a competent offensive line because it has been a just mess. I think competent since really about 2016. Competent is a synonym for good in football. I think that they, I don't think that they're a tremendous team. I think they're a good football team. Yeah. I think they're going to win on Saturday too. Scott, let's head to, uh, to your neck of the woods. Sky, you ma baby, mm-hmm. Minnesota fresh off kicking the ever loving crap out of Michigan state. <laughs> this, <laughs> they looked awesome against Michigan state. So, they got Purdue. Mm-hmm. This feels like a game that that could be very important in the Big Ten West. Who you got? I've got the mighty Gophers winning the West. This one's going to be very tough for them because it's styles make fights, and they could not be more different. Now, with Kirk Soraka back, Tanner Morgan looks like he's back to 2019. You know, 23 of 26 the other day. They look they look the part. They still have a big, gigantic Paul Bunyan-esque offensive line mm-hmm. that pushed Michigan State around like even uh, without 400 pound Daniel Falele, who's who's moved on to the NFL. Yeah. John Michael Schmitz is a great center. So uh, you know, they now they play the worst schedule, you know, in the power five. I mean, Colorado doesn't even count anymore, in my opinion. But yeah. uh, but doing that on the road at Michigan State. They were kind of the West Division's last hope for any kind of uh, respect. And uh, to be able to do that, I think, tells me that they're for real, that they're a good team. Scott, you're the, you're the Big Ten expert. I'm going to hit you with this. Tanner Morgan, Mohamed Ibrahim, Chris Ottman-Bell. One, two, three. Name another Big Ten team that's not Ohio State that's got a one, two, three punch at the skill position players on offense. That's well, they, they don't have Ottman-Bell. Yeah. No, I right know. Now. How long is he out for? The season. He's gone for the season? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. When did that happen? Uh, Last week, week, yeah. Oh, I knew he missed the game last week. I didn't know he was out for the season. Okay, well. (laughs) How about this? How about we revise it then? Uh, Erase, erase. Erase, erase. throw John Michael Schmitz in there. I don't know how I missed that. I didn't know Let's have some hot center No, but what about about quarterback-running back tandem? Oh, um, J.J. and Blake Corum? Yeah, that's pretty good. Although JJ, uh, CJ Stroud, his, and Trey Henderson, yeah, we're not going to count with Ohio them. State here. They're they're <laughs> death star. Yeah. But I mean, especially in the West, though. Yes, in the West, um, you know, because Morgan is now playing well. Graham Burtz has played well, didn't the other day? But uh, you know, Braylon Allen, I would put him comparable to to Bo Ibrahim. Um, yeah, I think, I, but I think they're the most consistent. And I think Ibrahim is he's he's beast mode to me. He is Marshawn Lynch. I mean, the guy's yeah. going to have a long NFL career. Yes, and 
And I think the one thing about them that's really differentiated themselves is their defense is be- is pretty good. And, uh, you know, to, to roll up 508 yards on Michigan State, I think it says a lot about Michigan State right now is, oh, my God, can they even make a bowl game? Because not yeah. only do they still have the big three in the East, I'm not so sure that they're going to beat Maryland. In fact, I don't think they will. And they also play Wisconsin. So they could be a 5-7 and seven team coming off of a 11-2 mountain. Well, they also had a very um, – a very – Nice draw for the East this year. You know, when you look at their schedule, they don't have to play oh, Michigan Minnesota, or Ohio Yeah, I State. mean, Penn, Penn State's the toughest game they've yeah. got left. But what I like about Minnesota is they feel built to to win the division they're in. Now, I realize divisions will be going away at some point, but they they feel like the best version this year of of those teams, of, of Iowa, of Wisconsin, of what Nebraska would aspire to be. Like, they feel like the best version of that this year. So... You know, yeah, Purdue will will play a different style of of offense than than the rest of the division, but you know that I I just think PJ Flex done a really good job. And there's there's only one poor old Nebraska. There's only one team in the Big Ten West that has kind of played the role that that Minnesota is playing this year. Um, one other team that hasn't besides Nebraska, and that's Illinois. Yeah, I mean everybody Illinois else is taking taking turns. Illinois Minnesota is going to be a fun game. And Illinois improved this year, so yeah, and and they have a great running back too. Probably the one guy that nobody talks enough about in Chase Brown. So they're they're back to kind of Bielema what Bielema wants. You know, they're running a little more physical. They're 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 going to be a, a tough out for some teams. But uh, you know, in the, in the West, Minnesota is the most complete team because. Iowa has a great has the best defense in the West, the best special teams in the West, and the worst offense in the West. And then you look at Wisconsin, uh, they could run the ball, but their athletes are not what they were a few years ago, as we saw last Saturday night. All right, let's head out west. Gophers are good. They are. They are. Let's let's head out west. The Washington Huskies, also a team that beat the crap out of Michigan State. Yeah. They beat Stanford, but Stanford is whew, Stanford's in rough shape right now. But they play UCLA on Friday, and UCLA struggled against South Alabama. We don't really know what they are either, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say if Washington can cream them the way they've been creaming everybody else, Washington is uh, is, is pretty damn good. I'm going to say Washington, I have them as good with an asterisk. And here's mm-hmm. why. I think UCLA is questionable. They actually uh, you know, have three out of their next four on the road, but it's at UCLA, at Arizona State. They play Arizona at home, and then they're at Cal. They could very easily be 8-0 after all of this, win some road games, look good doing it, but are they good? And, you know, because we don't know what Michigan State will end up being right now. I mean, they right. could very easily have a losing record, and then, you know, they look like it was a great matchup a few weeks ago. So I'm going to say good, but I'm not good. So <laughs> so Michael Penix Jr., the renaissance is happening. Now, he played for Kalen DeBoer at Indiana when, when DeBoer was the offensive coordinator. And Penix was good at Indiana, just terrible injury luck, three consecutive season-ending injuries. And so it's great to see him succeeding here. But they are averaging 7.2 yards a play. Like this is an explosive offense, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure the rest of the Pac-12 is ready. Uh, you know, I think I think Oregon can play with these guys. I think maybe Washington State in the Apple Cup, USC obviously, and, and Utah. But 
those lower tier Pac-12 schools, I, I don't know. I don't know if they can handle Washington. What about Oregon State? How do you think they would handle? Oh, I mean, that that actually be a pretty fun game. I, you know, Oregon State has NFL corners, which makes it very tough to. And you saw how how much Caleb Williams was stressed the other night. So that that's true. Oregon State is is a tough out as well. Well, but, people always seem to forget this with all the injury uh, situations that Penix went through. But when he's been healthy in his career, he's always been very good. So, like the fact that he's good right now he shouldn't been be a this surprise. Consistent though, like I go back, even okay. So his most iconic moment prior to what he's done this season Penn State. is that 2020 Penn State game, double yeah. overtime. He stretches out for the pylon to win the game. If you watch that game though, he had an awful game up until maybe the last drive of regulation, and then he was lights out for that drive and then the overtimes. So it, it's not he he's sort of been up and down. But now yeah. he looks Isn't that an very opener consistent. in the COVID year, though. I know, but, I, but he he was up and down in that year too. He yeah. just he's never been this consistent. Now, granted, yeah. it's just yeah. four games, but that's actually one of the bigger sample sizes for he's, his career. He's uh, well, leading the nation in yards per uh, game passing right now. Yeah. When, when he was in Indiana in that COVID year, what he did so well was he attacked down the field like nobody else, and he had the receivers to do it. Ty Freifogel was the Big Ten's receiver mm-hmm. of the year, even over Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson mm-hmm. and James Williams. Uh, the next year, they opened up at Kinnick Stadium. He threw two pick sixes in the first half and yeah. I think four interceptions overall. Well, that's because Iowa's defense is the most dynamic offense in college football. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's exactly but, right. Uh, you got to take that into account here, bud. <laughs> they were the perfect anecdote for what he wants to do because they do everything well that he's not good at. Now that we're, and, ta- now that we're talking about this, Scott, do you have a stat about how many touchdowns their defense has scored? They've scored uh, two this year um, and two safeties. So they're just a little bit behind the offense, which has scored No, I know. Four. There's got to be a stat. Like over the course of the past five years, oh, Iowa's yeah. defense has scored 26 touchdowns, which is like 25 uh, what year was that? Was that, more than was it. 2016 was the year of the non-offensive touchdown at Alabama where they had the streak of of like 10 games. I don't remember exactly how many games it was, but they had a, a fairly long streak where they either had a defensive score or a special team score. Iowa feels a, little, a lot like that this year, except, you know, Alabama had a very functional offense to go opposite that, uh, which brings me to another game and the game that Scott's covering. I'm not sure we need to ask, is Michigan good? But maybe we should. Maybe we should. Because we still don't know what Maryland is yet. I do think if Michigan goes into Iowa... Oh, we lost Ari. He just he, He's so sick of this. Uh, <laughs> but if Michigan goes into Iowa, Scott, and wins like 24 to 7, I feel like we can reasonably say they're good because it, they scored consistently on Iowa's defense, which well, is really good. You gotta clarify the Michigan scale. Mm. Like they're they're always a, a good football team as it compares right. to everybody good, else. Good would be competitive in the Big Ten for the Big Ten title again. And I think that's a legitimate question to ask right now. I I think the standard for Michigan right now based off last year and based on the expectations is where they currently are in the polls, which is a top five team. Are they good enough to be in the playoff? And I think the game in Iowa City is a a great litmus test for them for a lot of reasons. One is Iowa's defense. Um, They've allowed 10 or fewer points in every game. They've allowed the fewest points 
for any Iowa team in over four games, or first four games since 1956, when Alex Karras was out there hitting people like wow. Mongo. Punching dad horses. on Webster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then also, they haven't won in Kinnick since 2005. Iowa's 5-1 and one against uh, uh, top five teams since 2008, and the only loss was on the last play of the game. So there's a lot going on in, in Kinnick Stadium. And then you look at Michigan – they're one of the victims in that in that uh, streak. But also, who have they played? You know, in the, in the non-conference, their non-conference was just about the same as Minnesota. They struggled with Maryland. They got a gift touchdown right off the bat when that ball hit the face mask of Maryland's kick returner. But I like a lot of what Michigan does. I think Blake Corum's a great player. I think J.J. McCarthy, this is, this is going to be a major test for him. You know, he's had a really good run so far. I think if they win and look impressive doing it, being a decisive win, not a three-point last second, but, but any kind of win, frankly, I think it puts them into that, yeah, I think they're good, but they're, they're going to have to prove it in order to maintain their spot. Because to me, I think the ultimate for Michigan is, can you lose at Ohio State and still get in the playoff? That, Ooh. to me, is what they are. That would be... That would be pretty interesting. And I think some other stuff would have to happen. There. They'd have and, to be badass for that to happen. I yeah, think. and they'd have to they'd have to lose very close in that game. Uh, you know how we like our good yeah, losses. Chris Callahan well, said it best here, guys. Good is yep. a playoff spot on the line when they play Ohio State. And I would even go a step further and say, and they're in the game in the third quarter. Yeah. Right. It can't be. It can't be 2018 or 2019 against Ohio State. It has to. No. It has to be a competitive game. It but, has to be 2016 or or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, a game that's coming down to the wire. But I, I think if they could get to that game undefeated and play, uh, you know, play well, lose within a score, maybe even ten points, then they have an argument. It, it's just going to be. Uh, and, and they got to. And this is the one year where the East Division runner-up could be thankful if they get in the playoff, that they don't have to play the rematch. Yeah. Um, you know, they could say, go, go, go first, go do your thing. Cause, cause that's, that's coming. That, yep. That's coming for every league, whether they've announced it or not, it's, it's coming where it's going to be number one versus number two, because that's what makes the most sense. You want to make sure your team gets either gets into the 14 playoff or gets that by in the, in the 12 team playoff. So yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's gonna be interesting. This as, as divisions die they're they're, they're, you know, their death this year, who who winds up representing them? And and you go, okay, are we going to see you again in a conference championship yeah. game? Is that gonna is that gonna happen again? So, but I I can't wait. I cannot wait for this weekend, guys. I'm so excited because again, we got a bunch of road favorites. Anytime that happens, wild stuff is bound to happen. This is this could be well. I don't want to jinx it. Because when I said a couple weeks ago, this looks like kind of kind of a lackluster week, and it was amazing. I don't want to say this looks like the most exciting week of the year so far, and then it didn't, and then it winds up. There's being never boring, a lackluster week in the sport. That's yeah. what's so amazing about that's it. That's true. That's but they said the playoff would ruin the regular season, so <laughs> I'm enjoying the hell out of yeah. the regular season right now, and I don't think a 12 team playoff would would make me stop enjoying this either. Because like Kansas Iowa State. Would be excited for that no matter what. Because Kansas is 4-0, baby. Enjoy it. Savor it. Soon Gentlemen, to be 5-0. It's been a pleasure.